0: Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week I have my friend Allie Worthington joining us. She's an author, speaker, podcaster, and business coach. Her goal is to help women live the life they were created to live. Allie co-founded multiple companies and has helped individuals, ministries, small business owners, and Fortune 500 companies be more successful. Her no-nonsense, guilt-free take on business, family, and balance has been something I have long admired, and I'm so thankful for her work, as she has paved the way in a field I work in. Guys, you'll hear from this conversation. I'm a big fan, and I'm super thankful we got to chat. I really look to Allie as a pioneer in my field, and you'll see why. So if you love this conversation, be sure to screenshot it and tag us. Tell us what you love. This also helps spread the word for the Radiant Podcast so we can get this episode into more listeners' hands and ears. So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's dive in. Hey, Allie. Hey, hey. I am so glad to have you on. I, you know, was able to tell you this behind the scenes, but I'm super thankful for the work you're doing. I often find myself kind of straddling a business and a ministry space, showing up at events, don't really know how to explain what I do. There's kind of a place for men to be a bridge between ministry and business, but I feel like you, Rachel Hollis, a handful of other women are really paving the way for women to show up as a bridge between two spaces. So I definitely look at you as a model of how the heck do I do it? And how do I explain what I do? And so I'm super thankful. So excited to have you on today. Can you kind of start by sharing your story, how you got started, all the the twists and turns your story has taken and where you are today?
1: Sure. Yes. Well, thank you. It's great to be on the show. And thank you for those lovely words. I have a really interesting story. So it all started Almost 11 years ago, I was a stay-home mom with five sons and had a blog because about 14 years ago, I Googled, how do you get a book deal? And the answer was, if you're famous, infamous, or well-connected, it can happen. Of course, I wasn't any of those things. And then my, the second result underneath that was, if you start a blog and can prove to publishers that you can grow an audience, then you can get a book deal. My third Google search, again, this is 14 years ago, what is a blog? so I immediately start a blog forget about the dreams of writing a book and just start writing about my life and then almost 11 years ago my husband lost his job it was right before the recession started where the housing market was beginning to crash we had a big massive house in Nashville that we couldn't sell we ended I dug my heels in the ground and said we are not moving our family out of Nashville we're gonna stay here you're just gonna find another job we're gonna be okay We ended up losing our home. Our home went into foreclosure. We ended up homeless and living with my grandfather for six weeks. I would literally pack up the kids in the car, drive to McDonald's for their free Wi-Fi and buy French fries and let the kids play in the play area while I Googled how to start a business because I knew I needed to do something. I knew my husband was going to find another job and we would be okay, but I knew it was my time to go okay, I need to make sure if anything bad ever happens again, I have a business that can cover us. So later that year, I started my first conference with a partner that I met on Twitter. Uh, she was a, an ex-music industry executive. We met on Twitter and we had our first little event called Blistem in 2008. And through the years, Blistem grew to a large multi-million dollar event business. And I became a social media consultant. I served on the board of Intel's social media advisory team. And it all kind of came crashing down in 2013 when God told me to walk away from my conference. He told me to give it to my co-founders, who were not believers, and say, hey, I have to go. And I assumed they were just going to keep going with the event. And it was heartbreaking. It was maybe the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life. Because I had just retired my husband. So he had left the hospital where he was working, became a stay-home dad to help take care of the kids. And here I was going, guess what? Everything that I've just built, I'm walking away from. Wow. Yeah. And in that season, we had our last conference with me there. They decided to shut down the conference. Um, the, one, the one caveat that God gave me was don't sell it. Just give it to them and walk away. And so they decided to shut it down because I was kind of the face of it because I was in charge of culture, community, culture, community, and content. And I became a business coach because if there was one thing I knew how to do, it was to teach people how to build a business. And at that point, I got approached to write a book. Of course, the book idea is what made me Google what a blog was in the first place and got all this started. And I began to write my first book, Breaking Busy. And I met a woman named Christine Kane, who's a global evangelist and just an amazing woman. I met her at an event, and she came up and walked to me, and she said, "I think you're who I'm, you're who I'm supposed to talk to about the business that I about the ministry that I want to build next." And I said, "Yes, I am." Wow! <laughs> I had no idea what she was talking about, and so she called me the next week. I gave her my number, and. And she said, I want to build this ministry. It is called, it's going to be called, called Propel Women. I need you to run it. And I said, absolutely not. I, I've never had a job. I, I wouldn't be a good employee. And I, I'm not ministry. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. And she said, no, you're the right woman for the job. And I said, Jesus is going to have to tell us both that I should do this. And she said, Jesus just needs to tell you. Literally two days later, I texted her and I said, OK, I'm in and worked from home like I always had because she's in California. I'm in Nashville. And I look back on it now and I realize I never could have said yes to her in that opportunity had I not obeyed God and walked away from my event. And so had just the amazing ability to work with her for four years and just learn the ministry world inside and out in a way That I never could have before as an entrepreneur and it's funny because I remember maybe 2014 2015 it was the first time I ever even would mention anything publicly about my faith because I was so afraid that everybody that looked to me for business content would be so offended and I look back on it now and just laugh because nobody cared I mean no nobody cared at all and no one was offended and then so moving forward four years I'm with Chris and The Lord started as I was praying about my future, telling me that my time with Propel was over. And again, just devastated by that. You know, I had to leave my conference and now I'm in this great role and I'm writing books and consulting and and running Propel. But it was very clear and I got the message from multiple people. You know, hey, I know this sounds crazy, but God wants me to tell you X, Y, and Z. Just the sort of kind of thing you can't make up and you can't not pay attention to. And so I transitioned out of Propel early this year. And a couple of months went by. And of course, I went back to business coaching and focusing on writing and speaking. And my old partner from Blistem called me one day. We talk every six months. And she said, do you miss it? And I said, yeah, I miss it all the time. it's been five years. And she said, do you ever think about doing it again? I said, absolutely not. Because the last thing I wanted to do was start it again and then have to be like, and... I wasn't really supposed to do this. I'm out and just destroy everyone's business. And she said, why don't you just think about it? And I said, well, okay. So I prayed about it and I felt, I felt good, but I wasn't quite sure if it was, if it was me feeling good or it was, it was okay to go for it. And I have this woman who lives in Texas, who's a mentor to me. She's about 20 years older than me. And, and I asked her to pray about it. And she said, oh, I don't need to pray about it. And she told me about her journal, where six months before God had told her that I was going to come to her and tell her that I was starting Blistem again, that she wasn't allowed to tell me that I was supposed to do it again, because I would think the idea was from her and I needed to wait and hear it from the Lord. But when I came to her, she could confirm with me it's what I was supposed to do. Whoa. So I literally called my old business partner and I said, God's on it. Let's do it. And she said, OK, so we we just launched um, the alumni and friends and family tickets on sale yesterday, actually, on um, December 10th. And it's going to be next November. And it's not a faith-based conference at all. It's a conference for online entrepreneurs, podcasters, writers, speakers, photographers. At this point, going back into Leading Blistem, I am a woman that writes books about Jesus. I am a woman that preaches, but I'm also running a straight business conference with not a bit of faith in it at all. And all I can do is look back and go, I'm, I'm just a woman that keeps saying yes to God, and and so I guess that that's how I bridge the the business world and the ministry world. Yeah. But every step of the way is pretty scary.
0: Well, I'd say you're pioneering the space. I mean, you might not like me saying that, but or that that would probably be weird weird to say out loud. But but for me, I I look at that and I'm like. Thank you. It's one step closer for me being able to kind of clearly articulate even what I do. Um, and so I'm, I'm so thankful. So, um, man, one thing I wrote down kind of as you, you were talking is that by laying, you know, them down in the first place, um, you know, you were able to say yes to Repel. But I mean, what was the time gap there? Because oh, it was over a year. I mean, that's scary. And, and I find I'm finding myself in a season. Um, gosh, m- my pastor described it beautifully on Saturday. And I'm like, that's me. I'm in the cocoon. But he was talking about metamorphosis and a caterpillar. You know, we always talk about this analogy in like Christian spaces, but um, the caterpillar only has like one image receptor. And then humans have three image receptors. So we can kind of see far more than a caterpillar could, but then a butterfly has 15. And so the transformation from a caterpillar to what a butterfly is able to see and take in, um, is insane. And it's even far more than we as humans can see, but they're in that cocoon for a season. And I feel like I'm in a cocoon and have no idea what's next. I can't see But I'm excited, but it's scary, like really scary. It's so scary. Well, and here's the thing. God does his best work in us in
1: the seasons when we don't know what in the world he's up to, but he continually asks us to be strong and to trust him and to obey. And for me, most of the time that obedience goes back to figuring out what's the last thing that I know was from him and focusing in on that.
0: Wow. So what do you do with the waiting? Like, how did you manage fear, anxiety. I know you've got a book about it. I'm reading it. But tell, tell us, you know, what the heck you do with those seasons? I know the payoff's worth it. It's just hard to wait it out. I think
1: for me, I focused on what I needed to do every day, primarily, because for me, obeying oh, in this, in those cases, when it came to my career meant, okay, I'm walking away from something that takes care of me. And now I need to go take care of seven people. And it was literally how in the world is this going to happen? Because, you know, okay, this is a bit of a tangent, but I want to talk about it. There's a very damaging voice for women, I believe, that, that teaches, you know, you're all you need, go for it, everything's up to you, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's an element of truth to that. But the only way that we as women, especially women of faith, are only going to find real strength, real power, the ability to do great things in this world, is if we yield our own strength to God. And go, I'm gonna do everything I can in my own power, but God, you've gotta make this work because on our own, we, we can't. So for me, I would just try to be very diligent and work my butt off in the little things and just pray that God would make the big things work. So for me, taking care of my family meant, okay, here I go. I'm gonna take on coaching clients and I'm gonna serve them well every single day. I'm gonna go from running my own event to making sure that I help every other business out there do well. And I can't tell you that at the beginning, that was an enjoyable shift for me. But it's what I had to do in that season.
0: You know, it seems like we kind of each hard lesson kind of builds faith for the next hard lesson. Um, And as a seven who really likes to escape pain, that's really scary, Um, how does it get better? (laughs) Does it get better as you navigate? Like new. it's kind of like I describe it as like graduating to, to new lessons and new seasons in, in life, but it, it feels like it gets a little more challenging. Yeah, no, it doesn't get better. I mean, here's the thing. It gets better in the sense that we can look back and be like,
1: Oh, that thing that I dealt with three years ago, I could totally skate through that now. But With each level of success and and each new thing we do in life, there's a whole new level of difficulty. You know, you have probably heard it said new levels, new devils. With each new level we get to, there's devils out there that we got to go fight. And we are never strong enough in the level we're in and in the season we're in to go, you know, take care of those obstacles unless we've been through every past season that have strengthened us before.
0: That's good. I am at least finding that there's a sweetness in those really dependent seasons because I'm a pretty self-sufficient girl. Like I, God's kind of like, okay, I'll let you open doors for yourself, but it's real good when you let me do it for you. But, you know, I I think I have found a sweetness in the seasons where I have to be utterly dependent on God because I do not know what's next. And there's nothing I can plan or dream up or envision that feels right. It feels like, okay, this is not a season to launch a new thing into the world just because I think it's a great idea. It's a season of waiting and resting. Do you look back on kind of the harder seasons and see that a depth was cultivated in your relationship with God?
1: A depth was cultivated, yes, absolutely, 100%, and in a way that it couldn't have been done before, but do I ever look back and, and, you know, have feelings of sweetness about it? No, I really feel like those seasons sucked. (laughs) Hey,
0: that's the thing, you know, I mean, I can relate to that too.
1: I'm more of like, shake my fist, get angry, fuss at God, I mean, literally, I remember the day I met Chris, Christine Kane, which was a year after I shut down. Blissum, we accidentally met at a lunch. She was at the head of one table, at, one, at the table I was on the other head of the table. But on the way to that lunch, I was arguing with God in my head because He was—I wanted to do something new. Hello, Enneagram Seven. He kept telling me no, and I'm like, "You made me quit, Blissum. You made me walk away from this. I don't get to do anything else in life. You know, woe is me. Why is everything so hard?" And I said to Him, "You have got to show me what's next, because I." Don't understand. And it was in that lunch that Chris walked up to me and said, I hear you're the person that I'm supposed to talk to about what I want to build. And I after she said that to me, I went to the bathroom and just stood in there for a minute, was like, God, was that you? Is this a sign? Do you work this
0: way? Because he doesn't always, but every once in a while he throws us a bone when we're at the end of our rope. That can't be more true. So one thing that I really resonate with is kind of just Dreaming up something new. I think we're both do like we're both dreamers, but we're both doers, um, and and I think part of how God made us is that we are capable. And sometimes it is within. But how do you differentiate between the seasons of knowing? Okay, God has already equipped this because I think a lot of dreamers don't feel equipped already. But I, I think hearing you and then in my own story. A lot of the times I'll just do it because I believe I'm equipped, but then leaning into those seasons where God's like, no, let me do it for you. How do you differentiate?
1: Well, for some reason, God very clearly will tell me no on a lot of things. And so (laughs) as I'm praying about something, something that doesn't have to do with some new business idea I want to do, I'll just, in my spirit, I'll know that he's telling me no. And I'll be like, la, 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 I don't hear you. That could be me. I'm just going to go about my business. And I will get every indication, no, 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 don't do this. And I try to ignore it, but it just gets louder and louder and louder. And I think that's one of the reasons with restarting wisdom that I went, okay, I, I I need somebody who has no idea. Like I need some proof that you actually want me to start this because you always tell me no. You know, like, I'm, I'm allowed to teach, I'm allowed to speak, I'm allowed to write books, but I don't think I'm allowed to do this. And he was so good to six months before have a woman write this out in her journal because it was going to take something so supernatural like that to even prove to me that I was allowed to do this.
0: Yeah, that's really kind. <laughs> so what would you say to someone kind of in the trenches trying to figure out what's next? Well, let's be honest. That's me. Um, but, but really anyone who's listening, who's thinking, where do I start? You know, I, I really think that as women, we don't often have someone who's modeling how to like really um, build a business from the ground up from a faith perspective as well. Um, And again, I'm super thankful you were kind of paving the way. So what would your advice be to someone who is starting out?
1: It's really twofold. For one, for people who have not begun yet, say you're in a job and you have a dream in your heart to do something. Do not let the fact that you have a day job slow you down. You work on it in the evenings. You work on it on the weekends. You stay faithful to that dream. And at every step of the way, you're asking him to bless it. So you're doing your part where you're working your your butt off all of the time that you have to spend on it, but still you're asking him to bless it. Will it necessarily be blessed? Maybe, but it may not be. But the, the skills you learn and the wisdom that you learn while you're building this thing that you think is your thing, he will take all of that and he will use it for the next thing that he actually has for you. Because most women and most men do not have this desire in their hearts to build something most people do not have the desire to go write the book or start the business or build an agency or you know do whatever it is i believe those desires are god given but we need to honor them and we need to give ourselves permission to kind of flail around a little bit i i think about there's this one part where the apostle paul in the bible talks that he really wanted to go to asia And, you know, he tried all these things and God just wouldn't let him into Asia. And God directed him his path. And I will tell one of my friends often. I'm like, I'm just I'm I'm the Apostle Paul. I'm just trying to get in at all these ideas. And God's like, no, I'm going to I'm going to send you over here. So give yourself permission to work at that thing that's in your heart. But if you keep coming up against closed doors, don't take it as a sign that you're never going to be successful. Don't take it as a sign that the dream that's put in your heart isn't the right dream for you, God will probably at the perfect time and the perfect place make it all work together. But you need that season of kind of flailing around and working hard and building those skills to be able to step into that season when the time is right. Oh, that's good. That's for the first one. Second one, if you are in a period of transition where you don't know what's next, the first is focus on the last thing that you know was from God. Some people have a certain feeling, and that's how they know. Some people, a, a verse will come out of scripture, and something in their spirit will say, "That's for you, and you know what that's talking about." Some people will will you know hear things not audibly in their spirit. Some people will just know things, however, however, people hear from the Lord's different. But go back to the last thing that you know was from the Lord. Hone in on that and ask God what He wants you to know about it and what He wants you to know about the next season. And in the short term, what he wants you to do. Sometimes we get so panicked when we know something else is coming that we fill our minds with worst case scenario or nothing is ever going to be as good as it was before. When really he has given us a message, he's given us a vision or an idea. We need to go back, hang on to that a little bit and ask for wisdom. And James one five says that God gives wisdom to all who ask and he loves to give it to us. Sometimes we just have to stop freaking out so long that we can go, Oh, I'm just going to sit here and listen and wait till I get a little wisdom. Because when, when things are scary, I I do this more than anyone. I want to make things happen. I want to get things going. I want to launch a new business. I want to launch a new product, but really we just need to hone in on what we know for sure to be true. And to give ourselves some time and energy to hear and get direction.
0: That is exactly what I'm walking out. So at least I'm, I'm glad to know I'm on the right track because I'm i a, a launcher or a, a new idea every day. And so I really have leaned into resting and waiting in this season and kind of going back to the last things God told me to work on and kind of, it's it's a very bizarre feeling because I'm used to feeling the green light on my ideas. And right now it's more like, nope, just wait. I'm working on your behalf. And I'm like, this is weird. I don't usually lean on anyone.
1: And honestly, whether it's someone starting a, a business for the first time or someone that's transitioning into a new business, waiting can be the hardest thing. One of the har- most difficult things that I run across from people who want to start their first business who come to me for coaching is people will say, I want to start this business. I want to get going. Just tell me how to do it. And my first question is, okay who are you serving? What problem are you going to solve? What does that look like? And they go, I don't know, but this is what I'm supposed to do. So just help me do it. They're not willing to wait until they exactly know, Hey, this is my market. This is how I'm going to help people, whether it's a service or a product. And, and they launch it and they go, I just, I don't know why it didn't work. Well, because we haven't had the patience to put the right foundations in place.
0: Wow. For those of you listening who are working on your patients, so am I. So we're in this together, um, and it's it's really I think transitions have been the most surprising and maybe the hardest for me because a more's on the line now. You know, two years ago, yeah, I was living off of way less, but there was way less on the line. I didn't have employees. You know, it, it feels very different to be back at like a waiting place with what feels like more's at stake, and then also I think maybe it's because we watched our parents work a job for 40 years. Like my, my dad has a small business. And so he did that. He's done that my whole life or, you know, my mom mostly stayed in one industry. She did make a switch later in life, but, um, I think I kind of went into great, like I'll build my business, it'll be profitable, and then I'll feel peace forever. And I don't know why I would have bought into the lie that things will never transition or shift, but I think I subconsciously did. And so I thought, you know, I thought the hard part would be in the beginning, not the middle. And so I think that has been probably one of my biggest lessons of this season.
1: You're going through what Seth Godin would call the dip. Have you read that book?
0: Um, no, but I'll go buy it today.
1: <laughs> Great. It's a very short book. You know how succinct he is. I've, I've, anything Seth writes, I will read. But he talks about the dip that we go through in our careers, in our businesses. There, you know, We, we will ride the, ride this initial wave of success, but then there's a dip where maybe things are a little bit harder. Maybe we've lost our passion. Maybe things aren't as successful. And it's in the dip where people drop out. It's in the dip where people go, well, I thought this was for me, but it's not for me. But it's not until we can get through that first initial dip that we find a new level of success. But the dips are what build our strength.
0: Ooh, I've got two questions piggybacking <laughs> off of that. Do you think the dip is like the birthplace of innovation and creativity? A, I'm going to say my second before I forget it because I will lose it. But B, do you find yourself... Like one thing I've consistently worked on with my therapist, who I talk about all the time because I love her, um, is, um, you know, I've really, and it's, it's cost me something. I've had to choose to believe this at the hardest moments. It's emotionally costly, but I worked all year last year of when there's a dip, choosing to believe God has an upgrade around the corner. And I actually have seen that time and time again versus panicking. And kind of in January, there was a a moment in my business where my, my counselor who is also just super prophetic and loves Jesus was just like, you have an opportunity here. You can freak out and panic and be miserable, or you can lean into believing there's an upgrade around the corner. Do you see that to be a pattern? It's hard to believe it now because this is a bigger dip than ever, but I also have have history with God if he's never let me not eat over it.
1: That's it. And I just had this conversation with someone recently that, the, and, and I have coaching time at the end of my podcast where I answer a question about faith and life and business. And one of the most common questions I get from the faith category is about trusting God. And I keep saying, look back on your history with God. He has never let you down and he won't let you down. But as we're staring off into the what's next and what's what's coming around the corner we're always sure that it's going to be terrible I mean when I when I told everyone I was leaving Propel Christine called me at one point she said so you're just going to have your final day and then what are you going to do you're just going to tell the internet the next day that you're taking clients like how does this work how are you taking care of your family like she was worried about what I was doing and I said honestly I I'm not quite sure, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And it was literally me sending out an email, me doing some social media posts that did bring in clients. But even though I've seen God provide, you know, after famines in my life and he's never let me down, and even though he's always come through, I was so nervous leading up to that moment where my, my one and only salary job and, and I was back on my own again launching my business out of the blue, but I had mortgage to pay and six people that depended on me that I look back on it. And I realized that that month my hair was falling out and my cousin's a doctor. And I called her and I said, I think I need Rogaine. And she said, why? And I said, every time I shower, I think my hair's falling out. And she said, well, it could be. Um, but then when my hair started growing back in, I realized I was so stressed in that transition that that's how it was. That's how it was manifesting in my life. So even though he's come through, even though he works miracle after miracle, there's something inside of me that still went, I don't know if this is going to work. So the question is, is the dips of where all the strength and innovation and creativity come? Yes. But the dips also suck. So I don't want to romanticize them. And you can only see them after they're over. You can only see the good in them after they're over. Because when we're in the middle of them, it's just the worst. It is the worst. Yeah. It's the worst. <laughs> but you got to go through the dip to get to the next. I mean, I look at it so clearly. I had to walk away from the company that I built, that I love, that supported my family to say yes to a new season in ministry because he needed me to build Propel. But then I had to walk away from that, not knowing what was coming next at all, to be able to continue doing what I'm doing with writing and teaching and coaching, but also to be able to bring Blistem back. And that's I never could have imagined in a million years it would happen, but it's all coming full circle.
0: It's really cool. And honestly, it, it's really, you know, helpful to to observe, you know, again, because you're not saying all this stuff from a place of like, oh, yeah, like I closed my conference and a day later I got an amazing job offer. No, like <laughs> it cost you. I feel like your authority was won in those seasons where you waited, even though it cost you so much.
1: Well, and I'll tell you something too. This is something that I think that is important for us to talk about as women and entrepreneurs. I also didn't have a husband that could support me. Like I have a husband who retired, but then got a chronic illness and can't work now. So it's really easy for women to be out there and, you know, go get them and and do this and follow your dreams. But if you have a, a husband that can support you, you're in a great place and more power to you. That's amazing. But we can't always assume that everyone has that. I mean, what if you're single? What if your husband can't work? You know what I mean? I mean, it's one of those things where I'm someone that can say God is faithful and will take care of you. Trust me, especially when no one else can.
0: That is exactly what um, I I try to highlight here on the podcast too, because you know I think people can look at Instagram and be like, "Oh, it must be so nice. They were able to start that business because their husband has a great job, and I've put my husband through school as long as we've been married." And so, yeah, things might things might change drastically by October of 2019, and yay, I can't wait for that day. But not right now. You know, I've had to learn how to, you know, that's why I'm a big advocate of running lean and bootstrapping things as long as possible. And then investing when you have the money to invest, because I've had to do that.
1: One of the first questions I get from women when they start their business is when should I hire my VA? And I'm like, um, a year, Yeah. you know, I mean, the why don't, don't bring on people to have to pay before you pay yourself. I feel like for women in business, we should have a profit first mentality. When we start a business, we pay ourselves first. We take care of things. Once we have our salary set and we're taking care of ourselves, then we think about growing. Then we think about bringing on other people. But all these people out here are going, start your business and hire a team of VAs. No, pay yourself first, then grow it.
0: And I think it's really important for people to learn to be scrappy to start as they start out. You know, even seasons where I've zoomed out and offboarded tasks and then had to pull them back in, I'm kind of like, oh, I've kind of forgot to be I forgot how to be scrappy in this area. This is good for me. Oh,
1: yeah, I mean, I with with the conference, we can't be scrappy. We're as scrappy as we can be because it's just a massive event with, you know, a thousand women and and massive sponsors and all of that. But in my personal business for, business coaching, it's just me and I work really hard to keep it very simple. I have clients streamlined. Our workspaces are streamlined. We know when our calls are, we have a system for communication and I don't need three people between my clients and I, you know, I, most people, we work together for a year. I don't work on a contract basis. I like to earn my keep every month. And so, you know, I don't, I don't accept a ton of people, but the people that I work with, we work with for a long time because I really believe in them and I can help them. But the last thing I'm going to do is try to go big and hire a bunch of people and then just like keep that stress on myself. I, I think that one of the best things I've decided to do in this past year is to run lean.
0: I'm so thankful. I've, I've, runling from the beginning because you can kind of ride through some harder seasons. Um, and so I'm with you. So one thing I want to talk about before we go is um, really just balancing family. Um Something we talked about before I think we started recording was just, you know, both of us could really, you know, lean into posting all the time about our marriage or you with your kids. Uh, but being a businesswoman, You know, what does that look like and how do we balance that? Do you get commentary sometimes that, you know, you're not focusing on that enough, especially operating in the role of the breadwinner? Like, how do you navigate that? And what do you think kind of the trajectory is moving forward for women? Because I think one thing that I've really had to walk through, and thankfully I had a a mentor that showed me I can have it all. It may look not you know, perfectly balanced in all seasons. But, you know, a man doesn't question whether he can have a career and be a good dad and be a good husband. But women are conditioned to question that. Um, And then women will often turn around and pose the question. So how have you dealt with that?
1: Well, it's been really interesting. For me, I, I post a lot of our real life on Insta stories, but Instagram and things like that. I don't hire people to do photo shoots of our family or for me to sit at the table and look lovingly at my child so I can do a heartfelt caption, even though I'm sure I could kill it on Instagram if I did that, because my children aren't props in my business story. They're not props in my narrative as a businesswoman, and they don't want to be. So every once in a while, I'll want to even take a picture and post and my kids will be like, this can't be for the internet, right? Like this is just for us. They're really sensitive to it. And the older they, my oldest is 20. So it's 20, 17, um, 14, 12, and 10. And I am mom and I'm my husband's wife. And somehow, some way they all kind of caught wind of, oh, sometimes mom takes pictures of us and uses it for, for promotion for business. And they don't like that at all. And so I respect it i mean it's it's real easy to do it when your kids are young and your kids are cute and they don't know better but once your kids you know become people, it's different and and I think that it can i mean who knows some kids may love it um but my kids they don't want to be fodder in my in my personal brand narrative that goes out to the world man yeah
0: I, yeah, that's convicting even as I move into a seasoned debt start a family of like, ooh, that's something kind of good for me to even think about.
1: But it but what's one thing that's funny is they'll let me tell their stories in books. But there's something about there's something about like mom, just if you take a picture, it it doesn't need to be for Instagram. And I'm telling you, if I hired a photographer to come do a lifestyle photo shoot of my family, my kids would they'd have a fit. Um but you know, like I said, like I'm I'm not judging people that do it. I know it's super successful for building a platform, but my family's having none of it. And so, you know, when I'm, when I'm working, I'm either a business coach or I'm a teacher or an entrepreneur. Um, but when I'm not working, I'm mom and I'm Mark's wife and, and we balance it that way really well.
0: Well, I love that. I, um, I think that's a really holistic approach and, or just a really good reminder um as we build businesses as women um i think that's a good reminder even for me of like i don't have to lean on those you know facets of my life just to build my platform i can't be a successful businesswoman stand without that yeah
1: i'm not a i'm not a mom who has a business
0: i'm a mom and a businesswoman i love that and, yeah. and thank you for for being willing to say that Um, where can everyone find you? Where can everyone check out Blisdom? I know we've talked about it a lot. Where can Um, people find your books? I know that I am personally really enjoying Fierce Faith right now in a season of more anxiety than normal. Um, it's been a gift to me. So where can everyone find what you're doing?
1: Um, Allie Worthington, so AllieWorthington.com and on Instagram is where I spend most of my time because I, I can't not. So I'm Allie Worthington on Instagram. I have a podcast that's the Allie Worthington show that comes out on Mondays and Blistom is blistomconference.com and I, I think that's it. Oh, and the books are everywhere that books are. So I have um, Breaking Busy and Fierce Faith, which I'm so glad that you're loving and a devotional called The Year of Living Happy.
0: Yes, I've been meaning to check that one out. So Allie, thank you so much for coming on, for joining us, for indulging me in this conversation that was actually really personally uplifting. Um, and I'm just so thankful to know you, that you joined me today. Thank you, friend. It's been great to be on the show. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know
2: each other. The holidays are here and with giftcards.com, it's easy to send the perfect gift. From gamers and foodies to fashion and beauty lovers, there's a great gift card option for everyone on your list. Or surprise them with the specially curated Holiday Favorites e-gift card. Redeemable at Lululemon, Grubhub, Ulta, Wayfair, Macy's, Lowe's, and Barnes & Noble. Your lucky loved one can pick their favorite athleisure, beauty products, home decor, and entertainment all with one convenient gift. Holiday Favorites cards are delivered near instantly via email and can be used both in-store and online making them both easy to send and spend. They contain no fees and never expire, making it a perfect gift you can't go wrong with. Start gifting today at www.giftcards.com multi. Happy Holidays from giftcards.com. Duncan is here to keep you running with a much-needed taste of normal. To work home or work from home with the coffee you like just the way you like it whether that's a small hot black coffee your daily 2 p.m. latte or a bacon egg and cheese croissant and a medium iced coffee with oat milk one sugar two pumps of caramel one pump hazelnut a swirl of french vanilla and a shot of espresso i call it my p.m. pep rally you should really try it whatever it is that gets you running duncan's got you and always will america runs on duncan